Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful.com podcast, August 29th edition, the first of two podcasts we're doing today. Showdown Joe and myself weren't here Saturday and Sunday to cover this UFC on Fox show, so we're doing it now. A bit of an abbreviated show, but myself and Rob will be back later tonight to talk Raw and all kinds of news. This show brought to you by DraftBeast.com. We are going to be the leader in fantasy sports at DraftBeast soon. I say we like I'm a part of it, but I feel like I'm a part of it because they're giving me a platform to take every dime out of the pockets of our listeners when I beat you at head-to-head games, when I beat you at daily games, it's going to happen. DraftBeast.com is the place to give me all of your money, folks. So please do it. Also on it, go to our podcast page, Fightful.com slash podcast. Open up any of those podcast pages and you'll see the on it link. Check out their great supplements, equipment, and apparel. I am joined by Showdown Joe. Joe, how are you? Doing good, my man. I just can just imagine all our hardcore fantasy uh, viewers right now thinking, oh, I'm taking Sean's money. I can't wait. He's talking all this trash. Easy pickings for some of them. I mean, you know, my birthday is in about five hours, so I should just set up an Amazon wish list. That would be an easier way for me to take the money. That would be a much simpler way. We can, we can just cut out the middleman. Sorry, Draft Beast. They can just buy stuff for me, and there we go. So I think that sounds like a pretty good idea, Joe. I think you're absolutely nuts. You're just antagonizing everyone. All these hardcore guys are like, oh, when is football season going to start? <laughs> I can't wait. I cannot wait. I did two fantasy drafts in the last week, so I can't wait for some daily fantasy as well. We had UFC on Fox. We had a WWE wrestler getting drunk at an airport and singing Lion King songs. We had a lot of crazy things that happened this weekend. I did a color commentary gig, Joe, and play-by-play guy. It was very interesting. 
I don't know about interesting. How, how can you possibly do both of those jobs? I mean, first things first, I want to know, A, how long was the event? How many fights there were? Because that is, it's not easy. You got to keep your energy up for the whole show. And, you know, you're, you're basically talking to yourself back and forth. I mean, that, that, I just imagine how hard that was. Well, I was very fortunate. It was only about two hours long. There were 11 fights, but eight of those were amateur fights. And you know how amateur fights go. Usually about a minute or two. I, Joe, I shit you not, I saw a man pull mount. (laughs) Okay. A man pulled mount on this show. And I love Absolute Action MMA. I've worked with them for years. I love it. This is a guy who actually lost one of our teammates, one of my teammates uh, last month. And he took this fight on 18 hours notice. And he just darted across the cage and did like a Stone Cold Steve Austin Luthez press and ended up in mount and... He won the fight in about 40 seconds. He pulled him out. It was amazing. Um, I did play-by-play in color. That was a struggle, but it's some, I, I like it. I would, you know, unless I have my, my normal broadcast partner or you, Joe, there, then I prefer that. Uh, the reason is I usually do color commentary. But, you know, if other companies are looking to bring in somebody, they're not going to look to bring in a color commentator. They can get somebody like you or a fighter to do that. They uh, people who don't have in cage experience are more likely to get play by play gigs. So I did that. Also, uh, Scott Wegman of Drive MMA came by, did a little bit of color commentary with me. But and I don't know if I'll get any heat for saying this. There was this camera guy there, not affiliated with Absolute Action MMA. He's with the venue. Boy, I almost threw down with him, Joe. <laughs> what happened? I almost fought him. So I'm sure you've seen it at a million events. A lot of Promotions have the thing where they hook basically a platform to one of the corners of the cage so people can shoot camera angles over the top of the cage, right? Intimidating for someone who has maybe never done it before, but kind of standard procedure. Nothing nothing I haven't seen a million times on the regional circuit. So this guy didn't come prepared. Uh, his crew didn't have the proper amount of slack, and he was complaining the whole time. He was whining. He was bitching. He was moaning. I'm up here. You would have thought that he was on the top of like a WWE Titan Tron instead of like four feet off the ground. So he gets down eventually. He's calling for a ladder and he's yelling. So what what he does is he sits right next to me to shoot the action instead. And I'm cool with that. I don't care. Until he starts complaining and bitching and moaning into another mic that they had set up, a live mic. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was mad. And I was confused at first because I had these voices inside my head. (laughs) And and I didn't know where they were coming from. I didn't know the guy had sat down next to me yet. And I'm hearing this stuff like, can you believe this shit? Can you believe this shit? And I'm like, no, I can't. What's going on? Looking around, then I see him. So in front of him, I pulled a plug out, and I was like, okay, problem solved. No big deal. (laughs) So So he stands up repeatedly, and there are people behind him who paid for front row seats that can't see now. And I'm like, dude, you got to sit down. And he does for a brief moment because, you know, AAMMA pays my bills. If people aren't coming to those shows, then they can't pay me either. So... (laughs) The guy goes back around for a while. Luckily, 
Scott Wegman of Drive MMA came over and did some color commentary, got this cameraman goon away from me for a little bit. And then I, I just removed my headset after a while because I'm like, why the hell do I have a headset on? Who else am I listening for? I'm the only person on commentary. I'm not being fed any lines. And I hear the guy talking some trash in the main event, talking trash about the main event fighters who had a fantastic fight, mind you, including one guy who has fought, I think, 15 times over like two and a half years. I have a lot of respect for people who do that. So he's trashing them. He's trashing the people that behind him, again, are saying they can't see. Dude, is this where you really want to be right now? Why are you here? You knew what you were getting into, or if you didn't know what you were getting into, maybe pass the assignment off to somebody else. Uh, it, got, it, was, it was about to go down. Luckily, cooler heads prevailed, and I didn't smack the guy because I, you know, I just bought the suit jacket. I just bought the jacket, and I didn't get any blood on it during the event. I sure as hell didn't want to get any on it after the event. I don't like that. People showing up, covering an event. He wasn't covering it. He was filming it. No, no respect for the promotion that's paying him. No, promote, no respect for the fighters in the cage. No respect for the audience. No respect for the broadcast team. I thought that was Bush League. Not of absolute action MMA, but of the fellow who was doing the, the camera work from the venue. And I love the venue too. BB&T Arena. I love that place. And that guy got away unscathed? I don't know about that. Because I did approach the owner of Absolute Action MMA, and he was none too pleased. And something tells me there will be a change with that. But yeah, happier things went down. And I want to get into it before we even talk about this UFC card, Joe, because this is a story I think you'll appreciate. Are you familiar with the wrestler Mike Rotunda, IRS? Of course, yeah. Okay, his son, he has two sons in WWE. Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas. Bo Dallas's gimmick was that he was like basically a motivational speaker, yada, yada, yada. Kind of fell off. The, le- the less successful of the two brothers. He was arrested Friday night as Fightful.com first reported the news of this incident through our friend Stephen Bell over at the Late Shift podcast. Stephen Bell was on the phone with his wife, who was at Dallas, <laughs> Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. And Bo Dallas was belligerently drunk as he was boarding a flight to Mexico, international flight. Super drunk, was singing Lion King songs so loudly that it could be heard throughout the the airport. Needless to say, shortly thereafter, as reported by Pro Wrestling Sheet, he was arrested. And apparently he told those at the airport to F themselves. That's not a brilliant thing to do at an airport, man. Oh. Now, you've been on plenty of flights, plenty of international flights, I'm sure. Have you ever seen anything like that? What's the craziest thing you've seen go down at an airport? I, I mean, nothing, nothing to that effect. I mean, I, I've just seen you know, people that don't understand their, their surroundings. I've seen people uh, you know, raise their voices and get upset. And I've seen people that are, are you know seconds away from getting taken down on the ground and getting a beat down by some sort of security that if they know anything about uh, any martial arts in general, they're going to get, people are going to get hurt. I've been around people where it's like, you know, they're on their, you know, it's like the first time they've ever seen technology and they've got their phone and they're FaceTiming someone and they're just like loud as all hell. And it's like, you know, there's, you're in a room full of about 
40, 50 people right now. Like your conversation can be heard across this airport. Do you not realize that you're doing that? Or people that, you know, are cranking their music on their phones, like, right. And you're just looking at them going, what, what are you doing? Like, are, are you crazy? Or people that have gotten uh, really on, on the plane with the staff and we have it, it hasn't even taken off yet. I'm like, dude, dude you don't want to mess around the staff. I mean, there, don't get me wrong. There are staff from various airlines and airport staff that, you know, they should not be employed whatsoever. They should not be doing what they're doing. And they take full advantage of that little power trip that they have. Uh, you know, and, and I'm sure people have ripped into them, but you can't mess around in airports, man. Not these days, especially anywhere in the U S you don't, you do not mess around, especially flights going from where I am in Canada to the U S better have your ducks in a row, sit down, you know, and don't, don't take crap from anyone, but you gotta be careful, man. You gotta watch what you say and just, just be quiet, man. Get on the flight, sit down, put your seatbelt on, put some headphones on and chill. But there's some people out there, Sean, I'm sure you know, that are just completely oblivious to their surroundings. And it's like, just be quiet, man. We're all on the same flight, man. We're all delayed. We're all this, we're all that. Like you're no, you're no better than anyone. I've been on flights where we've been delayed, you know, four or five times. One time leaving, uh, I think I told about it before in the podcast here, leaving Newark. Um, and my, my flight got delayed by four hours. And then every hour thereafter was delayed for about four to five hours. Ten hours I was in that airport. What do you want me to do, man? There's nothing I, it's out of my control. It's out of your control. It's out of everyone else's control. If you can figure out a better action plan, do it. But other than that, shut up, man. Go order some food. Relax. Yeah, it's ironic because if Bo Dallas were to get drunk and sing Lion King songs on WWE TV, he'd probably be in the best career position he's ever been in with the company. But when you do it on an international flight, not so much. We'll we'll talk about that more on the post-Raw podcast this evening as well. Yeah, Bo Dallas, crazy stuff going on with him. Uh, if you all haven't been to Fightful.com, go there, register, sign up. We've got tons of exclusives there. You'll get access to our forums, early access to several podcasts. You'll notice uh, Joe and I are doing this show on Monday instead of Saturday. That will probably be the case. Well, I know it will be the case again next week at the very least because I'm getting married. So I will not be doing a podcast next weekend. So perhaps next Monday, depending on Joe's schedule. Uh, but if you haven't been to Fightful.com over the last few days, we have tons of exclusives. We have Daniel Cormier talking about the finish of SummerSlam and uh, what Brock Lesnar is really good at. We have Ryback talking about the terms of his contract the WWE offered. We have Alex Pawlowski's interesting column, a tour through broken Matt Hardy's exotic menagerie of reincarnated historical luminaries. That's, that's a winner. That's a winner. Matt Hardy loved that, by the way. We have the live stream that aired earlier of CM Punk practicing ahead of his first fight. Did you happen to see that? Not yet, no. I, you know, I've got a lot of people that, you know, they want to jump on CM Punk. They want to complain about CM Punk. To me, it's, it's like he's, he's been in practice maybe 15, 14, 15 months between injuries and prior obligations and stuff. People expect him to be like come out and be some world beater. And I'm like, I don't know what you guys expect, but, I mean, I see plenty of people with – more experienced than him that are pretty much at the same level. It's just, I think people have to temper these expectations. He's in the UFC, but he's not supposed to be a world caliber fighter. And you'll have those people that are like, he's taking somebody's spot. Well, who who else in the UFC was going to get that spot against a 2-0 welterweight? I don't understand it. It's the business of MMA. People, I mean, even fighters nowadays, they got to get it. If, I mean, 
This is the, the UFC is a business. It's, it's there to make money. As much as we absolutely love the fact that it's MMA, um, you know, we see our, our, our favorite fighters competing and there's rankings and this, this, and that. The bottom line is for that company is they got to make money. And people can say all they want. Well, they've already made billions and they sold for $4 billion and they make money nonstop. They, they're basically printing money. Yeah, but when you're the owner of that company, you want to continue to print not just that money, but a lot more money. So how do you do it? Well, you bring in a guy like CM Punk who's going to draw a huge number probably for that show. So that's just the business, man. If you don't like it, get out there. I mean, you, we, we, we even saw Sam Alvey go nuts in the mic afterwards. I mean, all right. He's weird, kind of a strange way he did it, but maybe he gets it now. We had a lot of people that were like saying like, oh, CM Punk's promo on UFC on Fox sucked. Well, it's different. His promo isn't going to sell any more pay-per-views probably. I think everybody who's going to order that pay-per-view made up their mind in November or December of 2014 that they were going to do so. And that's not what they brought him in for. They didn't bring him in there to cut these like crazy promos. And he's not going to do that. He does have respect for the sport. So it's, it's a little bit different, I think. And Sam Alvey. He's hilarious. What about that? Sam Alvey. And he, he gave a lot of credit to his wife. He said that his wife is the brains behind the brawn. He just happens to be able to hit really hard, Joe. I, I concur. I've been around Sam a couple times and saw the misses as well. And she runs the show. He's just a, you know, he's just a happy-go-lucky guy. Okay, take my hands. I'm just going to get in the like, on Who am I fighting? It's she's, just, she's, she's hilarious. She's Krang. She's Krang, and he's super Krang. She's the little brain that lives inside the big machine that, Goes after the Ninja Turtles, basically. Yeah, pretty much, exactly. I mean, and, and she's a sweetheart as well. Just the nicest soul you're, you're potentially ever going to meet. And he's a good dude, man. Despite people saying what they say about him, he's a good dude. He's funny. And, you know, he went off on that. I'm actually, I was actually like, oh, when Brian Stan says, oh, I think you rehearsed that. I'm like, no, nah, Brian, you have to say that. Of course he did. Just let him, let him enjoy it, man. Come on. Oh, Brian. Why? Also, we had Chad LaPreeze uh, winning, saying that he's moving up to welterweight. A good call, I think, Joe. You like it? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm the, he's not getting any younger. I get the fact that he wants to go to uh, to 170. He'll get he'll he'll have a speed advantage uh, on a few of those guys, that's for sure. But uh, I like Chad at 155. But no, I get it. If he wants to go to 170, it's all good. I mean, I watched that fight with uh, Thibault. It, it was you know people are saying it could have been an early stoppage. I don't think it was an early stoppage, man. He, he wasn't defending himself accordingly. He was, sorry, he wasn't intelligently defending himself. Uh, and the second time he knocked him down, uh, that was it. That was done. But he did win the Ultimate Fighter at welterweight, but that was a bunch of people who are generally going to compete at lightweight anyway. Also, at lightweight, he did beat a pre, pre-hype pre train derailing Brian Barberina. He he got that one. Um, that if you've ever seen too. Chad spar at a gym, man, if you, I don't know if you can get out there and see some TriStar footage when he was over there, just in general. The one thing about Chad LaPreeze is he doesn't play nice when they spar. He's just, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not Donald Cerrone-like where, you know, Cerrone's like, don't waste my five minutes. If you're coming to put the gloves on, put the mouth guard in, we're going to do this. Chad's not that crazy and that nuts. But, man, he hits hard during sparring. And there's, there's people that are like, oh, this is going to suck. These next five minutes are going to suck. This is going to be as close to a real fight as we're going to possibly get. Yeah, I like the move back to 170. I like, you know, less weight cutting in general. I think that's a good move. Felipe Silva with an impressive TK over Shane Campbell. Uh, that's not easy to do at all, given Shane Campbell's background. Um, but Shane Campbell has had a rough go of it. He's lost three or four, or four or five, rather. I got to think he's gone, Joe. Yeah, I think um, 
I think I think Shane's done. I mean, I I, I often wonder when I see guys uh, reach the UFC, and is it just simply um, a, a different level for them? Or because Shane's been in a lot of fights, he's had a lot of Muay Thai and kickboxing fights, and I wonder if the body has said, "Yeah, you've already passed your peak right now." Um, I, I don't think the body's gonna or the brain can take it anymore uh, because the way he's losing these fights, you kind of think, "Oh man," because I know he's he's better than what we're seeing. But I've seen other guys as well in the past go through this when they either get to the UFC or they get to a certain level in their career. Um, you know, Jordan Mean comes to mind sometimes. You think about a guy that's just young. But at the same time, it's like, why isn't his body doing what it's supposed to be doing at that age? Well, it's because there's so much mileage on it from being uh, in professional combat sports that you have to wonder, maybe that's at the body saying you can't take it anymore. Then we had Joe Miller or Joe Lozon versus uh, Jim Miller. You know, this fight, everybody expected it to be what it was, but Jim Miller defeated Joe Lozon, but a lot of people didn't have it that way. I think of media scores that I saw, I think like maybe five to 10% had Jim Miller winning this fight. Who did you have? I scored it for Joe Lozon and as did my five and a half year old son, uh, Mr. Sean Rossap. I was sitting there and he was watching and he's like, who's the black and white guy, daddy? I said, Jim Miller, who's the blue and black guy, daddy? I said, Joe Lozon. He goes, Joe's winning the fight. And I was like, I had already known the results before I saw the fight. And we're, I said, no, keep watching, yeah. keep watching. Got to the second round. He's like, no, no, he's winning. Got to the third round. No, no, he, he, he won. He won. I said, okay. I said, if you were the judge now, who would you give the fight to? And I explained judging and tried the best I could. He's like, well, there's, it's, it's obviously the guy in the, the blue and the black shorts one. I said, okay. I said, I agree with you. You're right. And then when they announced the card, jumps off the couch, Sean slaps his fist on the ottoman. What are these guys watching? And I'm like, well, there's a five and a half year old that kind of figured it out, but whatever. MMADecisions.com has fan scoring at 89.7. For Lozon. Lozon won, um, let's see, on two cards in the second round and two cards on the third round, but lost the fight. Isn't that crazy how that can happen? I don't, I, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a weird sort of system sometimes, MMA judging, but yeah, I definitely gave the fight uh, to Joe. I think I scored a 29 28, if I'm not mistaken, but at the same time, you know, kudos to Jim Miller. He pulled off the victory, but. I think J-Lo should have had that fight. That was his fight. That would have been nice. Like, heck, I'd love to see a trilogy fight between these guys, but not when one guy's got it at 2-0. No. They, they've written that off pretty much. They've yeah. said that's not going to happen. I, I feel for people who bet on Joe Lozon. They oh, man, terrible. yeah, you're right. And good for the people who bet on Jim Miller because I'm pretty sure Jim Miller, if you put a, quite a bit of money on him, that's good, a good return. I can't remember what the line was, though. Wasn't he the favorite at minus two ten? Was he? Okay. Well, then I really feel bad for. Yeah. Yeesh. Now, uh, also something I want to talk about. Paige Van Zant. I'm going to defend this girl. I, I may I may get downright violent the next time somebody says she doesn't belong in the UFC. She's only there because she's pretty. She's also there because she. Jumping roundhouse kicks people in the face and knocks them dead. Or maybe because she has the second most wins in division history. Division history. And she took off several months to go dance for a while. What did you think of the finish and the fight leading up to that? Uh, before I get to that, Jim Miller opened at minus 130. He closed at plus 110. So J-Lo went into that fight at minus 185 favorite. So uh, you put money on Jim. 
hopefully put it towards the end as that fight got closer to fight time. Uh, as for Paige Van Zandt and that jumping kick, whatever you want to call it, jumping round kick, that was pretty slick. I just thought, uh, you know, watching Beck, the way she was sort of being a little bit more patient, I think she got too patient for her own good. She was too busy trying to, I guess, I'm going to assume waiting for that right opportunity while, you know, Paige was bouncing around in and out, in and out and throwing these crazy spinning things. And I just thought it was weird how, uh, you know, Brian Stan again was saying, you know, perhaps she's got to stop doing that. And then boom, lands something like that. But kudos to Paige Van Zandt. I obviously still think she, I mean, I don't think you're going to be able to do that uh, to Yannick Jacek. Um, but to be able to pull it off against, you know, Beck Rollins, that's, that's pretty good. Um, at the same time, I thought Beck was going to be a little bit more aggressive, um, especially in terms of cutting off the octagon, using her footwork uh, to sort of kind of pinpoint where, where, where Paige is going to be and then sort of explode. Even if you don't go in there, um, you know, with a four or five punch combination, at least throw two or three, get out if you have to, uh, unless something lands and then you go in there for the finish. Um, I, I guess I was expecting a bit more from Beck. It didn't happen, but got to give kudos to Paige, man. She looked really, really good in that fight. Uh, again, not on Johanna's level yet uh but she's getting there and she's doing it and yeah she's a pretty face and she can haul ass man so good for her you have one unheard message hi i was calling current the influencer marketing platform but i think i just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast well anyways i was calling current because i was told they could help get my brand set up on tiktok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand. And even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And the thing is, I have people that are saying, I have people, I had one weird argument. They're like, well, she's been, or Joanna's been fighting her whole life, and Paige has been fighting since she was 16. Okay, Sage Northcutt's been fighting his whole life, and we saw, we, we see him get exposed on the ground. I'm not saying that Paige Van Zandt is going to beat Joanna, because that probably isn't going to happen. Now, the weird thing that gets me or the thing that makes me feel a little weird, people are like, oh, well, Paige isn't top 10. She's not top five. She's 22 years old. She's like, she's really, really young. People can improve and she's going to improve. She's going to get a lot better. And I think for 22, she's far better than than most 22-year-olds are of either gender. I, I think it, it always goes back to something you and I talk about on so many different occasions, people misjudge, uh, not a lot. I'm not saying, I'm saying that there's a, there's a certain segment of the fan base that misjudges what a fighter truly is without taking into consideration so many variables of what makes a great fighter. They expect every fighter to be world-class immediately uh, and a champion and blah, blah, blah. It takes time to get there. And, and Paige is on that, um, I guess you could say trajectory 
Um, if you want to make her a champion, there's still a lot of things that need to be done. Uh, but I don't treat her like she is, you know, the 115 pound champion in the world. She's a contender, or at least she's getting there to be a contender. She was, I mean, before this fight, I think she was number 10. Um, so she, she's getting there. It just takes some time. You want to have some sort of, um, with someone like Paige, and you, I mean, we're all going to have our different assessments, Sean, but you need a bit more explosiveness from Paige, in my opinion. Uh, someone that's going to sit down on her punches a bit more, um, despite having that bit speed advantage over Beck Rawlings. When you start moving up these rankings, it's going to get harder. It's not going to get easier. You're going to fight stronger fighters. You're going to fight, you know, fighters that are faster. Uh, you look at, um, you know, Johanna's pinpoint accuracy. You know, what if Claudia Gadella takes her down? You know, there's a lot of work for Paige to be done, but she's young and there's plenty of time for her to do it. They don't want to rush her. And believe me, if the UFC could have her as a champion, they want her, they want, they'd love to have, um, you know, this blonde bombshell as a champion, but a dominant champion at that, in my opinion, sort of like how Ronda Rousey was when she was a champ. She made herself a lot of money with that jumping kick. I'll say that much. Did you see that picture of, of her in midair? It was unbelievable. It's hard to think that she jumped that she physically can jump that high first off. But that that was a magnificent kick. A great kick. So yeah, uh her kicking people's faces off has as much to do with marketing as anything because you gotta win. Because there's plenty of pretty girls that just don't win fights. She's a pretty girl who happens to win fights. She is now, let's see, one, two, three, what is it, four or five and one? I think she's four and one in the UFC. Very impressive. Do you know if that highlight actually made it on uh, Sports Center in the States? Did it? Like, are you asking me or are you telling me? Yeah, I know me? it's a Fox product, but do you think it made it onto uh, to Sports Center and stuff like that? I don't know. I'll find out. Uh, Anthony Pettis, also impressive. Back and forth fight between him and Charles Oliveira. This one was a banger. It was so awesome to watch this fight. What are you thinking about this move to featherweight for Anthony Pettis? He got the win, so obviously that paid off. But he was uh, he was looking he was looking a lot more like Sergio physically than than Anthony. He looked drawn. He looked like he there was something slightly missing uh, from the Anthony Pettis that we're used to seeing. But he did get that victory. Uh, and when was it? was it the first round when he landed uh, those two body kicks where it just looked like a baseball bat going into Oliveira's ribs? I mean that, that the one replay they showed in between rounds was just awesome. Like, oh, I would hate to be Oliver. I can understand why, uh, you know, that, that, I mean, if you've ever taken a body kick, ladies and gentlemen, uh, even a knee uh, in the wrong area of the, of the, of the abdomen, but it hurts, man. It does not feel well. Uh, and that's when you you see guys looking at the time going, oh, this is going to suck. But the way Anthony landed that, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. He did look like he may have been fading, but Anthony is known to play possum. If you watch a lot of his fights, he knows how to play possum very, very well. Uh, and, you know, he'll throw the craziest things. If you notice, he doesn't throw always with power, but he will throw. He'll throw something out there in hopes that it'll, it'll sort of stun the opponent or shock the opponent and then go in there and really pick up the pace. But uh, overall, I was definitely impressed with the, with, um, the, the performance. Um, did I think he was going to win by submission? I didn't really put that in my article, Sean, as you know. I just just kind of like... I think he's going to win this by a TKO. If it's going to happen, it'll be by, by a KO or TKO. But the guy's ground game is fantastic. And, and the fact that he submitted Charles Oliveira, very, very impressive. Yeah, I like the, the move to 145 that puts some new blood in that division, which maybe needs a little bit of it. With Chad Mendez gone, you don't know if Conor McGregor's coming back. You have the same guy who was at the top for 10 years back at the top as of right now. So 
yeah, they, they needed an Anthony Pettis there. So I'm cool with that. I thought that the fight was fantastic. I thought he performed well. So good for him. I just hope he can safely make the weight. Well, the other thing is that, you know, he, he took out Oliveira, who's at number six uh, on the fight rankings right now on UFC.com. Um, and you, hold, you, you remember my old theory that sometimes your ranking number is like your own little belt. And if you lose it to somebody, they get that position. It doesn't always make sense. But, you know, where do you put, um, you know, Pettis now? Do you give him that number six spot ahead of Jeremy Stevens and Dennis Bermudez and Ortega and Hakran Diaz? I mean, that put him right behind Cub Swanson at number five, getting much closer to that big fight that we've always wanted to see uh, with Jose Aldo Jr. and, and, and Anthony Pettis. So it would be interesting to see where he ends up. I mean, if you had a, uh, an opportunity, would you put him at number six right there? Let me take a look at it. We won't find out until like Friday night because UFC really slacks on their rankings now. I thought they would they updated it on Tuesday nights. These guys, they used to, they used to update it on Monday nights. Then it became Tuesday nights. Now it's more like Wednesday evening ish. Now, if you're lucky, they'll update them at all. Ah, Yair Rodriguez. I would I'd like to see that fight first off. That'd be um, sick. That would be really that would be really fun to watch. Evans there. Who did he just beat? Barrow, I think. Okay, he just beat Barrow. That's a pretty big win. No, no. Well, man, yeah, I can't put him after three straight losses and beating Oliveira. If maybe you dropped Oliveira a little bit, it, it would be a reshuffling of the division. It really would be because a lot of these guys are riding like one win, one loss, one win, one loss. Meanwhile, I think Charles Oliveira has been on a pretty hot streak aside from that that dim mock technique that he fell victim to. <laughs> Yeah, he had won five of six outside of that freak situation between he and Max or Max Holloway. So yeah, they're really six fights without really being beaten. Mm. Hard for me. Dim Mock, can I can I can I give you a quick story about Dim Mock? Oh, of course. Uh, so last as long week, as it results in Dim Mock being complete and utter horseshit. <laughs> Apparently, it's not because I was informed. Oh. Um, Last week, I'm going to choose my words carefully because this is this could be viewed by this person. Uh, I don't know, um, but I um, I work uh, for a friend of mine. Uh, I'm doing some consulting and some IT stuff for a friend of mine. He asked me to come in there. He's like, uh, "You're in between TV gigs. Come on, come and just hang out here. I'll pay you this. I'll pay you that." I said, "All ah, right. You know what? I got the other stuff going on. I got my other business going. You know, I said I'm always looking. Uh, you know, just to get me out of the house, sort of thing, right? Over right here, Mark Advertising. So that's my boy Chris. What's up, Chris?" Um, we're sitting there and then, you know, he brings on a new employee and talking to this guy and this guy is, you know, he's a traditional martial artist and he's telling me, I realize this, oh man, I think that's, that's showdown Joe right there. I'm going to talk to him. Uh, whatever you come by, talk to me all you want. Well, he proceeded to explain to me how, um, you know, he, he's thinking about getting back into training and you know, what, 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 what's a real martial art that he should be training in. I said, well, you should be training MMA. He's like, no, 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 no. He goes, I'm talking about something that'll work in the streets. That'll help me defend myself. And I said, yeah, uh, mixed martial arts will definitely help you. you, you you'll be able to yeah. box in Muay Thai and kickbox and judo and wrestling and jujitsu. So wherever the fight may go, you can probably dictate where it's going to go. He's like, no, 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 no. He goes, I don't think you understand what I'm talking about. I said, okay, what are you talking about? He's like, I want to be able to, to learn something that can be applied in a self-defense situation, not train something that will only work inside of a cage. So I'm looking at him. Oh, my God. And I'm looking at him. I said, okay. I said, 
what, what, what would you propose? He goes, well, all the stuff that I've learned over the years. I mean, if one of those guys, those MMA fighters tried to take me down, I would just punch them at, at the C vertebrae, blah, 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 with that one <laughs> shot. And obviously I said, okay, what happens if you get taken down though? He goes, well, if I'm falling, obviously they're, they're, the right side of their back is going to be exposed. I could hit him with an elbow and, and it'll be fight over. And I just looked at him and I just, okay, go on and on and on. I said, okay. I said, with all due respect, I don't, I don't mean to insult you, but if you did that to me, probably wouldn't hurt, but then I'd make you pay, but I'd probably break your arm, break your elbow, break your finger, whatever you tried to hit me with. He's like, no, Joe, he's a little knife edge to your throat. And oh, I said, God. So, I, I, I just kept going until people started realizing what was going on. And literally, Sean, I had people putting their arm on my shoulder. They're like, Joe, just let it go. This yeah. And I thought to myself, if you start arguing with fools you become the fool but i was just trying to explain to this guy dude stop this did mock we i used to schedule things for our iron fish gym open houses and it was very like very underground type of thing but we would do like sparring exhibitions and what i would do is i would invite anybody from the area who thought that they could you know outspar a trained mma fighter but what i would do is i would take our least experienced guys and i'd put them against these people and there was this one guy, he was, he trained with us, not a Casanova to say the least. He had some social issues. He was out of shape. And this guy who had played football was a, was a varsity letterman, picked him out, like almost picking on him. It took about a minute for the trainee to ragdoll him, put him, there's video of it online too. Uh, then throw the uppercuts underneath the arm, and he was spitting out his mouth guard to get out of there, puking up shards of his own pelvis into the street for about a half an hour. But we had a Demock guy a couple times before that, and I would set up the brackets for the grappling, and he and I had went at it on Facebook a little bit. And the people there were like, you can't put yourself against him. He'll know something is up if you do that. <laughs> so I put him up against who was our smallest guy in the tournament who happens to be now our catch wrestling, one of our catch wrestling coaches and my tag team partner. And we go in there and he, this guy has this up and down posture and our coach, Jay, one of our coaches, Jay grooms had, he was like, what are you doing? This is the guy who was trained with Billy Robinson and Josh Barnett and <laughs> Billy Scott. And, it took about maybe a minute and a half of him fooling around. He, he fooled around the entire time. Then he just little little arm bar, put him over on his face, pulled the arm back, and had to threaten to break it because the guy wasn't going to tap. Oh, didn't didn't last. There's a video of that as well. Maybe I'll post that one day, guys. But yeah, we we digress. Dimmock doesn't work, guys. Sorry if you've been sold that that bill of goods, but it does not work. Uh, no matter what they say, you may you may have been hit with some dim mock stuff, and you're still waiting to die or something. But I promise you, you can go to the grocery store without fear that you will be pulled out of a body bag uh, with shit in your pants because it ain't it ain't happening. Either way, Damian Maya has some wizardry going on. Do- total domination of Carlos Condit. Carlos Condit, one of those guys who we had mentioned before. Half in, half out. He looks like he has mentally checked out of the MMA game, Joe. Oh, I don't know, Sean. I don't know. The way he talks. The way he talks, at least. I don't know what to believe with Carlos anymore. I mean, I I do want to say one thing. For those that did read my article, I said Damian Maya was the fun bet 
five to one on a submission of Carlos Condit. Uh, I will also say and say it many, many times under no circumstances do you ever take my advice on any sort of wagering. I just put it out there to consider and looking at the numbers and the way Condit fights and the way Maya fights and what's happened in their past few fights and what Maya does to people, he will get a takedown eventually uh, and he makes people pay. If they don't survive, they tap out or they lose really bad in that round and five to one is what he paid. So if the one time that I was right in 500, you took that advice, hopefully you put some money in your account. But Carlos Condit obviously dejected after that loss. Uh, and obviously you don't blame him. Uh, you, you, you don't go down uh, in a minute and 52 uh, at that level uh, to anybody, even though it is Damian Maya, arguably the best submission fighter in the sport right now. Um, but man, Dejected, I could understand if you say it, Sean. I understand that, you know, he's not, he he's, doesn't know what he's doing. But, yeah, his, um, what is he, two and five in his last seven or something like that? I mean, it's, I know it's really? not good. Yeah, it's two and five that. in his last seven. Who would have thunk it? That's crazy to think, considering that he fought for a championship in January and almost won it. Unbelievable. And that's why I say we got to put the brakes on Carlos Condit potentially walking out of this fight. I think he's dejected. Uh, let him regroup uh, and see what happens. I think there's plenty in the tank uh, left for Carlos Condit. I know he's 32, and I know he's had 617 fights or whatever the amount is. He's like 30 and 10 or 40, something like that now. 40 fights, that? yeah. 40, 40 fights. fights, yeah. That's a lot, man. But it's still Carlos Condit, and you go up and down this division, this dude could still make a lot of money uh, and maybe not get hurt. I mean, the good thing is he never got hurt against Damian Maya. It's a loss. It's 152, but he never got hurt. And how about Maya? Four fights. Last four fights, he's been hit 13 times. Crazy. Unbelievable. Three submissions there, all rear naked chokes as well. This was a completely dominating performance. And I don't know if you heard him on the post, the, the, the UFC on Fox post show. Great mind. He understands his shortcomings and his strengths. And I, you know, you can't ever write Damian Maya off from beating anybody because he's that good on the ground. He's just unbelievable. He really is. And he'll, he'll be 39 by the time he gets a title shot, if he gets one. He says he's willing to wait until after Stephen Thompson fights for the title. Maybe waiting a pretty long time if GSP comes back. What do you think of his idea of his willingness to wait? Well, I think you just nailed everything on the head there. Wait, I, 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 if I'm Damien um, and I've got some money in the account that's going to last me a generation or so, I'm going to wait. Uh, I will wait until the news of GSP and what's happening with GSP um, goes down. Um, if you wait and you know GSP is getting a title shot, uh, you got to take a fight. You need a payday. You got to be smart about it. You can still remain relevant depending on maybe you fight the loser. Uh, of the title fight between Teron Woodley and Stephen Thompson, if that one goes down, um, but at the same time, you you, you just you got to be careful with with your career. I mean, you saw what happened with Rashad Evans, and we've seen what happened with so many other fighters before in the past. So um, you got to be smart about it. Um, uh, the, the one thing, if we can go back real quick with the fight, I want to know your thoughts on two things: a, um, the single leg takedown by Maya, because the way he was wrenching it, he was like a rabid dog, just trying to get the balance of Carlos Condit. And do you think Carlos Condit? Um, defended it correctly and or do you think he may have been lackadaisical and not really respecting the fact that you're about to go down to the ground um, with Damian Maya and the, and the defense was incorrect? Well, I know what his plan was. His plan was to keep Maya in his guard and cut him open with elbows. 
which, you know, isn't a terrible, terrible idea generally. Against Damian Maya, maybe it's a pretty freaking terrible idea because I don't want to – I don't want my feet touching the ground against Damian Maya, let alone my back. I don't want that. I think that Carlos Condit has been exposed time and time again regarding his ground game. It's, it's happened over and over and over and over again. It's a big weakness. And Damian Maya knew that, and he wasn't playing around. He wasn't sticking around to find out what Carlos Condit's strengths were anywhere else. He wasn't going to hang around and find out any of his other game plan. He knew what he had to do to win, and that's he wasted no time doing it. Man, I want to see Carlos Condit fight again, but you know we're seeing it, and he he's fought since 2002. He's been in the game for 14 years. So people look at him, and they're like, oh, okay, he just turned 32 this year. Well, he that's a different in fight years with, you know, Yoel Romero hasn't been fighting for 14 years. So, you know, he'll he'll fight probably, you know, much later, obviously. He already has than Carlos Condit. So, mm. and, and we talk about Damian Maya sitting out. Over the past year, I mean, I'm looking at it, and he made over $200,000 on Saturday. He made, let's see, another near $200,000, including the Reebok stuff, in May. Probably about 185000 in December. Then another 200000 plus last August. So the guy's doing pretty well financially. That's not even including his sponsors that he might get in like Brazil and things of that nature. And I don't know if he runs a gym or anything like that. Sure, that does pretty well. So I don't think he's hurting for money or anything. He could wait. And why not wait for a title fight, Joe? Yeah, I, th- I mean, again, it's all – and the numbers you just threw out there, we've got to take into consideration uh, tax cuts taxes, or taxes yeah. in general and stuff like that, right? And paying all them, and paying your uh, your cornermen and, and stuff like that. But if financially, if he's secure, when I say secure, I don't mean secure for the next two years. I'm talking secure for the rest of your life sure. where money isn't really an issue. Now you can play around a little bit. Um, but again, talking about Carlos Condit and, and Damian Maia, and, and, and uh, I'm trying to remember the year. Uh, I'm sure you know the name Mark Hominick and Sam Stout and – Chris yeah. Modeski, uh, Damian Maya was up there in London, Ontario. A while. I'm going to go with 2009. So that puts us seven or f- seven years ago, 2009, 2010, around there. Uh, I went up there to interview Damian Maya, and you know, I put the gi on, and I got to roll with him. Uh, like just total, like way after everything, and I got to roll with him, no gi and gi. Um, and I can tell you, <laughs> this guy here is just. Dude, I was allowed to do whatever I wanted to do, both gi and no gi, for like 20 minutes. Whatever, I, Whenever he decided it was over, it was yeah. over. He was just the technique. And it's nothing where it was like you got to see some Marcelo Garcia crazy, just, whoa, what just happened there? Basics, man. Just the basics. Just very, very basic. And, you know, my knee was not supposed to go there. I'm supposed to defend that. You're not supposed to pass my guard like that, Damian Maya. And there goes my knee. And there goes my other one. And then he's through. And now he's in side control. Okay, underhooks. And, uh, okay, he's got my back. How did that happen? Okay, I'm tapping. Choke. And it's just it's amazing. And, and it reminds me of, um, you know, John Danaher? Yes, yes, I do. So John Danaher, obviously, Hensel Gracie fame trains. Uh, George St. Pierre, he, he's widely considered – uh, a jiu-jitsu guru, yes, he's the guy that showed up to Matt Sarah's w- uh, wedding wearing a rash guard. Uh, he, he's just – and in conversations with him, 
I know it's a dim. This could be like a dim lock for jujitsu, bro. Like it was one of those things where he's like, if you put the body in this position, watch what happens. Bang! There goes the knee, or there goes the leg. You put the body here. You put pressure there. You wait. You turn. You turn. Bang! There goes the arm. There. He goes little small things like that is what Damian Maya does and Hicks and Gracie does back in the day. And what we teach our fighters here, the difference is in mixed martial arts, you can also punch which creates openings. And if you notice, Damian Maya, since he complained about that one fight three or four times ago or three, four, maybe five fights ago, he's like, I forget that I'm doing MMA. I can punch to set up some of my openings. And he, you see that now where it's not even a real punch. It's just to get the guy moving for a second and then bang, he gets what he wants, takes the back or does what he has to do. And he's just, just an unbelievable, unbelievable submission fighter. And again, we could say what we want about Carlos Condit's game and how it's exposed. It's just Damian Maia is so just beautiful and majestic of what he does on the ground. Impressive performance out of Damian Maia. Guys, we are back Wednesday evening, myself and Showdown Joe. And then we'll probably be back, I'd say maybe next Monday. It depends. It depends. Maybe still reeling from all that marriage stuff. A, uh, you got again, a wedding that you got to take care of and, and survive that. B, Monday, a Canadian holiday, so both of us may not be in the best of conditions, but we should be able to some way, somehow figure out how to do this podcast. Plus, I got to field all these offers for the Amazon wish list. I have a birthday coming. I'll be selling, I'll be ringing in my birthday on the Fightful podcast tonight at midnight with Rob McCarron. Be sure to, to check on that. Guys, Fightful Online is the place to be, uh, Twitter and Facebook, Fightful.com. We've got tons of exclusive, tons of stories. We just started marketing. I think it should hit tomorrow on Reddit, things of that nature. Lots of exclusives coming up, so check that out. Until Wednesday night, me and Joe are out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.